Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Welcome back. This is in the series of Demands of Discipleship. This particular topic is love. And yes, love is a demand of God. Not optional. Now, that sounds kind of crazy up front. Because initially, you hear, somebody's demanding I love them? That's a little strange. You know, and then people get ideas of stalkers and uh, domestic problems where one spouse is screaming and yelling at the other spouse. I'm telling you right now, you love me. Demanding love. And then, unfortunately, you know, when you hear that, it's a... a, uh, Conjures of all kinds of negative kind of thoughts. So, so it, it sounds kind of wild. How can God demand we love him? Part of the problem is Ivrit. It's Hebrew. Or, more specifically, the things I've mentioned before, and that is culture language and history so in Greek in Greek there are several different words for love and the word that you've probably heard a million times most even uh, even old country pastors that uh, don't tenor to no seminary very much, uh, know that the word is agape. And in its truest sense, agape is not connected, now listen, this is is where the, the real kicker is, not connected to emotion. Emotion. When we say, and we being humans, say love, more often than not, we're thinking about an, of an emotion, of a, of a warm, fuzzy feeling at some point. And don't get me wrong, hey, you know, the warm, fuzzy feelings are awesome. No duh. Uh, but the complication is, that's not what God's getting at. So the Hebrew, it says, Via you will love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God. So, let's look at a few verses. Uh, Deuteronomy, of course, comes to mind immediately. Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Man, I've heard that before. I wonder who said that in the New Testament. Oh yeah, it was Jesus. Yeah, and guess what? That's where he got it from, because that is one of the quintessential verses of the Jewish sages saying this is, and not the whole explanation, but 
an explanation of all the law and the prophets. And Jesus says, as Hebrew rabbi himself, he links that with a Leviticus verse that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the, the Leviticus verse is actually based on Leviticus, Leviticus 19.34. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Jesus takes these two verses, and this was a very well-known uh, Jewish rabbi, Jewish teaching process. The sages used it. Take two verses and poof, together. And he said, in that Solomon of the Law and the Prophets. You know. So, by the way, it, it, this uh, you shall love is not an option. Again, it's not an option. Now, so here's two things, two ideas that Western minds sometimes have a hard time gripping. And it's because we're looking at the we're looking at the flower from a different angle, all right? And it has to do with this. Number one is the fact that God demands and insists we love him. Number two, that uh, it's not an option, and it's not an emotion. So, emotion can come later, and it might come before. But as you know, uh, the problem is, is when we think of love, humans, this is, normally it's, uh, we think of it in terms of human love, where uh, there's this feeling for someone first, and then hey, and then you get to know the person more, and then all of a sudden this warm feeling is just really get crazy, and, and then uh, we bond with that individual and then decide to take commitment steps whatever that is in different cultures towards that end but i want i want to hit you with this idea in the middle east and even still today arranged marriages are something that still happen and two people will get jammed together that don't even know each other that well. Because to families, marriage would be more of a, a bonding of resources of two families. And these two families would be joined together by this marriage. And these two poor people are in the middle of it. They have to learn to love each other. And eventually they do. Uh, now, obviously, it uh, doesn't work so great when the, the lady is hogtied and bound and gagged and thrown into the mix. That's no bueno at all. I mean, that's, you know, 
we're not talking about that. <laughs> That's called kidnapping and stalking. But what we are talking about is arranged marriages where uh, two families get together and say, hey, okay, he's going to marry her. See, in the West, uh, don't do that stuff. Um, and so, that being the case, we don't kind of get that concept real well. And the fact that these people can actually learn to love each other. And here's another kind of a Jewish sage thought. And it works this way. Adam was by himself in the garden. And he had God. All right. Uh, but God said, it's not good for him to be alone. So, he took Eve out of Adam and then made one guy, two people, and then told them to love each other. All right? So, so that's kind of a commitment, right? Now, that's kind of the human side of it. All right? In God's side of it, Love is connected intimately with relationship, but relationship also in covenant. Covenant relationship, covenant love, if you want to you know, kind of use that term, is where God says, I'm going to love you even when I don't feel like it. And if you think about it, Jesus didn't feel like being crucified. God did not feel like sending Jesus to pay this price for us. It wasn't because it gave him warm, fuzzy feelings. That wasn't it at all. Jesus got to the point where he was literally the sweating blood saying if there's any other way we can do this please if there's any other way but he said it's not my will it's your will that's love love is when the commitment is there no matter what that's God's love and that's loving people God's way. Now, what does that translate to? Well, let's say you know someone and they're an absolute horrible person. And they're mean, they're nasty, they're 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 ugly to anybody they could be, you know, just a real behind to anybody they can possibly be a jerk to. And they're walking out in the middle of the street, and they're not paying attention, and a car comes. And you run and push them out of the way, and you get hit. Not killed, necessarily, but I'm saying. That is... And you do that. Why? Because... You know it's what God wants you to do. That is agape love. That is a committed love. That is, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, regardless of how I feel about this person. I'm going to give this person uh, 
You know, I'm not going to enable them to be a jerk, but I am going to feed this person. I am going to clothe this person. I am going to try to help people even when they're absolutely nasty ugly to me. Nasty jerks. That is how you demonstrate. Remember, God shows his love for us. So we demonstrate our love to him. Now, how do you demonstrate your love for God? By, by what? Talking with him, right? Your prayer life. Your study life. Learning what he wants and what makes him happy and how you can, you, how you can live the life he wants through his word. You learn. And by demonstrating these things to other people. You know, when you give money or you give to a food bank, you don't give instructions to the food banks. I'll only feed the really sweet people. You know, do that for me. Would you just, just you know, just mark out this way. They're going to feed everybody. And that's one of the, 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 the passages that come to us, that, that God's grace to us is the rain falls on the evil and the good alike. So, well, that ain't fair. You know, maybe there ought to be dry patches everywhere the, the evil people go. It's God's grace. It's his grace to us. That's why people are still breathing on this planet. <laughs> because if he did everything that should happen here, he would basically turn the whole planet into a volcano and literally cover the earth with magma and then start over. But he's not doing that. He did it with water once, and in the future, maybe so. But here's the thing. God wants that kind of love from us. So ask yourself, how... Not, not earning your salvation. Again, we're not talking about earning your salvation. Because, because before you have a relationship with God through Jesus, you can't get into a mode of, of, of pleasing God. I mean, God, you can do good things. And God is pleased with those good things. And people don't lose their reward for doing good. Even before they have a relationship with Jesus, and that people are going to say, "Well, what do you mean? There are people are just..." Well, dude, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, there there are people who are lost that do good things for people. I mean, they do. Okay, but here's the thing: you can't get in that relationship where God intimately tells you what He wants for you and your life and every everything around you until you have a relationship with Him. When you do that, it plugs you into the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that then sets your prayer life on fire, sets your study life on fire, and sets your outreach on fire. And by that I mean you will tell the Spirit, if you'll let the Spirit of God have energy in your life, He'll show you. He will show you. The Spirit of the living God that raised the dead 
when handkerchiefs were brought from Paul to people, is still doing miracles today. And I know there's a ton of skeptics out there. I get it. I'm a science guy myself, love science. I just don't happen to think science and and uh, and, and God are opposed to each other. I think one invented the other one. That's what I think. But here's the issue. The issue is, is love is the blood of faith. Now, as far as I know, I just made that up. And I like it. Love is the blood of faith. It pumps through it. It unleashes it. It strengthens it. It's powerful. But here's the thing. Let's go back to the original. It's not how you feel about it. It's not how you feel about it. It's what God expects out of us. And He demands us to love Him. And how do we do that? Demonstrate it. We show. We learn. We pray. We reach out. That's how you demonstrate that love. God demands it. So, next time you think, next time you think about it, you know, look at love in that light and know that sometimes the action comes first and then the feeling. You know, with God, you do what God says, and then you feel fantastic afterwards. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but know this. Your work is not lost. And here's another thing. In the demands of discipleship, I put love, believe it or not, near the last. Love comes right before maturity. Why? Why would I put that there? You know, with all of the other ones that are there, why would I put that there? I put that there for this reason. Because if you are doing all of the other things, literally, if you are doing all of the other things, if you trust Him, if you have humility, if you have charity and community, communication, study, service, what happens is in the doing of those things, you are demonstrating your love. So it comes naturally right there. Now, does that imply you don't have love until you do all these things? No, because love is integrated in everything. But, you have to know that love is a demonstration. If I say I love somebody, and I don't ever talk to them, I don't ever do anything for them, I don't ever communicate with them, I don't ever do anything, any contact with them, that's not love.
It's just not. So, with that in mind, I want to thank you and encourage you to stay well and to keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.